see everybody out, and we join Greek and welcome you out to the services. I invite you to get your Bibles, follow along as we study from the Word of the Lord. I just feel like almost like I'm a visitor here. <laughs> gone almost the whole month. And, but anyway, it's great to be here, though. I'll be gone next Sunday, and well, anyway, be in Ohio, and then after that, I'll go down to Harlingen, Texas, and be over <laughs> Mexico for eight days. And so anyway, well, I'll be here Wednesday night, today and Wednesday night. So anyway, glad for that. All right, so uh, we invite you to follow along and uh, study with us. We're going to look at an interesting topic. Uh, several years ago, let's see how it reads here on the screen. Uh, this was from the Lexington Herald Leader, the Parade Magazine. It comes out on Sunday. And actually, this was almost uh, 20, 22 years ago. It was April of 2020. Uh, April of 2000, excuse me, April of 2000. And I don't know, somebody give it to me. And I got reading it, and I thought, well, that was, that's kind of an interesting article. And it talks about, uh, let me just read it, uh, the, the headline there. It says, a young police officer paralyzed after being shot, a woman who was raped and left for dead, a man whose mother was murdered when he was a boy, all have dealt with rage and hatred toward the attackers who for, forever changed their lives. In this uh, compelling report, they talk about the continuing inner struggle that finally has enabled each to say, I forgive. I mean, you, you, you talk about those stories. I mean, we're not talking about like a flea bite insult to get over. I mean, we're talking about atrocities that they have to deal with. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, there was this quote up here. Uh, and the article, and I'll put it up here where we can read together, and there was this one fellow when he was seven years old, his mother was murdered, and it says, I've had my rage, Shepard admitted. I still do. At times, forgiveness is a daily process. I have to work at it. However, he added, I've learned that hatred is a cancerous emotion. And it's that last statement that just jumped out at me, jumped out at me and made me think. Hatred is a cancerous emotion. And that's the title of our lesson. Hatred is a cancerous emotion. And the Bible has uh, a lot to say about this topic, and that's what we're going to talk about is hatred. Indeed, it is a ca cancerous emotion. All right, in the definition, it means hostility by implication, a reason for opposition, enmity, hatred, to detest, odious in this definition of hatred. Uh, another definition, a feeling of strong antagonism, antagonism and dislike, generally malevolent and promoting to injury the opposite of love, which is interesting. <laughs> Hatred is just the, the direct opposite of love. Uh, sometimes born of moral resentment, like in the Old Testament and New Testament, hate of the malevolent sort is unsparingly condemned. Of malicious and unjustifiable feelings toward others, whether toward the innocent or by mutual animosity. Hatred, this, this dislike, this odious, burning uh, dislike for somebody and having this emotion in our heart and uh, exercising that toward other people. And the Bible talks about hatred. And it is a cancerous emotion. When you talk about cancer, cancer is something that grows and grows and it's like consuming. And when we give over to hatred for maybe we feel justified because somebody done us bad wrong or maybe it was a supposed insult, but we harbor those feelings, it's really 
detrimental to us spiritually. It is a spiritual cancer. All right, hatred is of the flesh. It's certainly not of the spirit. It is described as one of the works of the flesh. There in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest. That is, they're clearly evident. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. You might have a version that says enmity. That is, you feel like this, this feeling of hatred, of enmity, of dislike, of animosity, this, this malicious ill will toward other people. Strife, jealousy, wrath, selfishness, divisions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I've told you before, uh, beforehand, as I've also told you in time past, that they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You, you, you can't have hatred and go to heaven. You, you, you can't be a servant of God and have a heart with hatred in it. It has to be dealt with. And then notice over there in the book of Titus, chapter 3, in verse 3, Paul talks about there, For we ourselves also were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice. Now these, these words here that are grouped together here in, in, in verse 3, they're living in malice, envy, envy, jealousy, envy, jealousy, malice, and hatred, they, they just sort of kind of begin to interweave together. We become jealous. We become envious of somebody. Or we get mad at somebody. We get angry at somebody. We have hatred. And so he says, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Hateful. That would be just the general attitude of having animosity toward others. Maybe somebody in specific. Or hating one another. That is, we have just a hateful attitude, and then, then we, we have somebody in mind, or some bodies, plural, that are in mind that we uh, exercise hatred toward and animosity toward. And that is described in time past. Paul, of course, uh, got shed of it, and we have to do the same thing. Hatred, it is a cancer of the soul. It's this murderous spirit that the Bible talks about. For instance, in the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, and John, he, he really talks about this a lot. I mean, John's been called the apostle of love, and so he is, and uh, he emphasizes love, and hatred is kind of just the opposite of that, this ill will, this animosity, this ugly attitude. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. <laughs> that, of course, commanded all over the place in the New Testament. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother. And why slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. That was envy, and envy led to hatred and this inward animosity he had toward his brother, and then he rises up and kills his brother. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hates his brother, listen, whoever hates his brother, if we have animosity towards somebody, well, the Bible tells us how to deal with it, is that, well, we'll work on ourselves, and if necessary, we just go and talk to the brethren. I mean, that's, that's the way the Bible talks. If somebody sinned against us, we sinned against somebody. Both passages in Matthew 5, Matthew 18 just says, go and talk to them. And so, whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life about in him. You, you cannot harbor ill feelings toward your brother, toward other people. It, ju it just, it's a bad thing. It's a cancerous emotion. 
I mean, here are people that suffered tremendous things. I mean, tremendous hurt. Not, not some little insult, not some little slight, but I mean, really just horrible things. And they learned that, that it's a cancerous emotion just to harbor hatred in your heart for whatever atrocity has been heaped upon you that may be real or perceived. And then notice something else as we notice there in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 35. Interesting, the book of Numbers talks about animosity and hatred and then carrying out the overt act of murdering as opposed to an accidental death. But if he pushes him from hatred or hurts at him, uh, hurls at him by lying in wait, uh, that he dies, or an enmity strikes him with his hand, that he dies, he that struck him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meets him. But if he pushes him suddenly without enmity, that is some, some sort of accident, you, you, you just sort of bump somebody, maybe you're walking along, and you bump somebody and they fall off the edge and, and they fall down and get hurt. Well, that was an accident. Or cast upon him anything without lying in wait. That is, here you're, you're throwing rocks and somebody just passes by. You're up on the ladder and something falls down by accident. Well, that, that, it, it's an accident. Or used any stone by which uh, a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him that he dies, and he was not enemy, and neither sought, uh, sought his harm. Then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the avenger of the blood according to these judgments. Now, if it was an accident, okay, make the determination if it was an accident, okay. But if there was enmity, there, there was these bad feelings. And had these, harboring these bad feelings and uh, then exercise that by uh, carrying it out, well, then that would be murder. That, that would certainly be wrong. Over in the book of Genesis chapter 37, got another example of hatred in the hearts of people of 10 of the sons of Jacob. It says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father an evil report. Well, because they weren't doing quite good. They felt like he was a tattletale. I mean, he's just reporting. I mean, he's young. He, he wasn't trying to be mean. It's just that, he, I guess, he's just telling the way, the way it is. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and made him a coat of many colors. Now, jo Joseph isn't guilty of wrongdoing. I mean, this was the, the fault of Jacob being and showing partiality. And because of showing partiality to him as opposed to the ten older brothers, it says when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, it says they hated him. I guess if they should have had hatred, it should have been toward their dad for showing partiality for their wrong, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, they should have hated the, the partiality of their father, but they, they, they had animosity toward their younger brother. They hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. And then it talks about Joseph having this dream and about how all of his brothers would some, someday bow down to him. And, of course, they didn't like that. And they thought there in verse 8, his brothers said unto him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Again, Joseph, he, I mean, he didn't, like, make this dream up. God's one gave him the dream. It was actually, actually a prophecy for telling what was to take place. And, and ultimately, it did come to pass. And then he dreamed another dream about the sheaves and how they all bowed down unto him. 
And then it says in verse 11, and his brothers envied him, but his father observed the same. So you see envy and hatred, jealousy, hatred, they, they get coupled together. We look at the good that befalls somebody else, we ought to be rejoicing and glad that good befalls people and rejoice for God blessing them and them using it in the service of the Lord. But sometimes jealousy and envy leads to hatred and animosity and this ill feeling within, this murderous spirit. And it prevents us from loving God. Let's go back to 1 John. We're in 1 John chapter 4, number 20 and 21. 1 John chapter 4. If a man say, I love God. Oh, I just love the Lord. But then he hates a brother. He hates a sister for whatever reason. I don't know. There's no reason ever to hate anybody. Even the people that do wrong. We don't have, we don't have reason and justification to hate them. We, we, we can hate deeds. We can hate sin. We'll talk about that uh, in the last point. I mean, the Bible talks about how, how Jesus hated iniquity and hates wrongdoing. Problem is, of hating wrongdoing, we, we transfer that to the wrongdoer and we hate the person that's doing it. And we're not justified hating people. So if a man says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Well, that's pretty bold. That's pretty plain. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? I mean, here, here's your brother, here's your sister. You can see them and you have hatred and animosity toward them. Well, don't claim to love God and have these ill feelings. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. And so if we have these feelings, we better deal with it because uh, we can't be loving God. If you can't love, and if, you, if you're not loving God, you can't go to heaven. I mean, we've we got to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And this hatred, this cancerous emotion that we're talking about, it's, it's a self-deceiving attitude. When, when we harbor bad feelings toward others, uh, it creates self-deception within our heart. Look also in 1 John chapter 2 now. 1 John chapter 2 in verse 9. In 1 John chapter 2, there, notice there in number 9, he that says uh, that he's in the light and hates his brothers in darkness even unto now. If we have bad feelings, this animosity, this enmity, this hatred, this uh, to abhor uh, somebody in our heart, we're in darkness. He that loves his brother abides in the light and there's no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brothers in darkness and walks in darkness, and notice, and knows not where he goes because his darkness has blinded his eyes. We, we are self-deluded. We are, we are self-deceived thinking that we can hate people and hate our brother and somehow be a child of God and be right in the sight of the Lord. It, it's, it's not so. Notice there in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 18, he that hides hatred with lying lips and he that utters a, utters a, utters a slander is a fool. We can't, we can't have hatred in our heart. It is a self-deceiving kind of attitude, and we may try to cover it up. And, you know, we, we give the lip service, you know, oh, how I love Jesus and, and love one another. We sing the song, and, yeah, we love the brethren, but really we have hatred in our heart. No, we're, we're just trying to cover it up. We're deceiving ourselves. Notice also there in the book of Proverbs, chapter 26, in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 24, he that hates disguises it with his lips and lays up, uh, lays up deceit within himself. Uh, when he speaks graciously, believe him not, 
uh, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Whosoever's, whosoever's hatred is covered by the seed, his wickedness shall be revealed before the whole assembly. Ultimately, it sort of, it sort of catches up with us. I mean, we may put on the pretense that we love our brothers and sisters, but then we have this animosity. No, it, it ultimately, it, it has a way of coming out, and it creates problems. And something else is that when we have this hatred, really, we hurt ourselves more than anybody. I mean, the person that we have hatred toward, we might do them harm. And it might be that they don't even know it. Sometimes we can have hatred, and, and that people don't even know that. I mean, there, there's scenarios that, where that can happen. But ultimately, when we have this hatred, ultimately, we're going to hurt ourselves. Notice there in Proverbs chapter 26, notice there in verse 27, Whosoever digs a pit shall fall in it, and he that rolls a stone, it will return upon him. So here we're digging a pit for somebody to fall in to cause them harm, but be careful, we might be the one that falls in it. Or here we're going to roll a stone, and we're thinking we're going to hurt somebody, but really it might come back upon us. And the classic example of that will be in the story of Esther there in chapter 5. In the story of Esther, you have Haman, who is kind of up, and up in, the, in the administration. Esther is queen. She happens to be a Jew. They just don't know about it. And there's a, uh, she has an uncle named Mordecai who doesn't bow down to Haman. And Haman feels like everybody needs to fall down and just like worship him like he's some sort of deity. And, of course, Mordecai doesn't do that. And Haman, he's like got it in for, for Mordecai. And it's not, not enough that he wants to destroy Mordecai. He decides, well, he's Jew, and I'll just kill all the Jews. I mean, just the hatred spreads from Mordecai just to the, to, to the whole race, just going to get rid of all of them. And he's plotting and planning. It says in verse 9, Then went Haman forth that day, joyful and with a glad heart. But Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and he stood not, uh, stood not up, nor trembled before him. He was full of indignation against Mordecai. Here, he's angry. And he has hatred. And this indignation and anger and hatred is in his heart. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called uh, for his friends and Jairus, uh, uh, Zerus, uh, his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of, the chi of his children and all the things which the king had promoted him and how he advanced him above all the princes and the servants of the king. Now, now just stop and think. I mean, he's got a great job. He's been promoted. He's got a wife. He's got children. He's got friends. He's got money. He's got all these things. But he's got this hatred. And this hatred's growing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's gnawing at him. I mean, he can't even be happy. Notice what it says. And Haman said, moreover, yea, Esther the queen, did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared uh, but myself. And tomorrow I'm invited unto her also with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting in the king's gate. I mean, here it's just like I've got all these, bless all these good things. And he couldn't enjoy him. Why? Because his heart's filled with hatred. Animosity for Mordecai. Then Zerath, uh, his wife, and all the friends said to him, Let gallows be made of fifty cubits high. And tomorrow speak you unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. And then go you merrily with the king into the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. So here he's building 
gallows to string up and to hang up Mordecai to vent his hatred and animosity. And ultimately, he is the one that will be hung upon his own gallows. It comes back. I mean, you can't, you can't sow to the wind and not reap the whirlwind. whirlwind. You, you will. That, that, that's biblical principle. And when we have a heart full of hatred and we've got it in for somebody and we're going to do them, don't be surprised that it comes back upon us. And maybe for the worse. And so it was with Haman. So be careful about this emotion called hatred. Something else, as we study about it, it will cause us to stir up trouble. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife. We have this hatred, we have this, this foul attitude, and we just want to stir up trouble. And, uh, but love covers all sins. <laughs> love practices forbearance and kindness and patience and those types of qualities, enduring all things as, uh, as the love chapter talks about. But no, hatred, it stirs up trouble. And then notice on, as we study about this topic, words are used to vent our hatred. There in the 100th Psalm, in Psalm 109, verse 3, they surrounded me also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause, David says. You see, when people have hatred, ultimately it comes spewing out in words or deeds. Sometimes it's uh, you rise up and kill, just like Cain rose up and killed his brother. He had this animosity, he had this jealousy, and this anger and this hatred, and ultimately kills his brother. Sometimes it'll be words. Uh, maybe we, we're a little bit more reserved and then, well, we don't want to kill somebody because, you know, you could get in trouble and you could go to jail and you could go to prison. And so then we just vent it with words. And we shoot with the words, arrows, and, and, and throw out uh, slashes with a, with, a, with, a, with a sword of our tongue to cut and to hurt and to maim. Hatred. It's a, it's a cancer of the soul. It's a cancerous emotion. I mean, somebody speaking from experience, as we see in their article, yeah, it's a cancerous emotion. And that's why they learn just to forgive and just let the Lord take of it. Really, that, that, the Bible exhortation about it. Right, even hatred can be, can, be, can be directed toward God. I mean, God? I mean, what, what did God do to this person? There in Romans chapter 1, verse 30, talking about how people rejected God and how they just plummeted into moral an anarchy. It says, back back uh, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents. Haters of God? How, how could a person hate God? I mean, the creator of heaven and earth, the, the benevolent, merciful, compassionate God. How could, how could you hate God? But hatred can grow in the heart that you would hate God, and that, that's, that's not good. You don't want to hate God. I mean, you don't, want, you don't want to take God and begin to challenge him and to show animosity toward him because that, that's not going to have a good outcome. It's not going to have a good outcome in general, but certainly against God and against others and our brother and other people to have this hatred, this animosity, this ill will in our hearts. It's a bad thing. It's a, it's a cancer. I mean, that, that's the best way to describe it. It's a cancer of the soul, of the inner man. 
And ultimately, it eats away and it manifests itself in words or actions or causing trouble and strife. Or, or we plan to plot uh, to bring about vengeance, to settle the score. And ultimately, it sort of comes back upon us. Yeah, it's truly a cancer of the soul. And really, I think the, the advice of Romans chapter 12 really kind of gives us insight of how to deal with hatred and feeling like, you know, we've been done unjustly, we've been done unfairly. And Romans chapter 12 kind of gives us the insight to say, well, we're going to let God take care of that. We need to be praying for people that are enemies. I mean... Matthew chapter 5, pray for your enemies, do good to them. And Paul is going to talk about that here. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord. <laughs> the way to settle it is like, okay, we're just going to let God take care of it. Maybe what was done was absolutely wrong, it was horrible what was done, but I'm not going to harbor the feelings. I'm not going to figure out how I'm going to settle the score and how I'm going to take care of it and bring about uh, this uh, vengeance and bring about this satisfaction. No, we, we turn that over to God. We're going to let God handle that. What we need to be busy about doing is praying for them and get rid of these bad feelings in our heart. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink, for in so doing you shall heap coals of fire on his head. I mean, if you feel like you had to do something, do, do something that's good. Do something that's good to this person that will be as if it were heaping coals of fire. Just make him feel like a creep by, by saying, well, I, I, hope you get a, I hope you get a promotion in your job. I, ho I, hope you, I hope you win the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. You know, I hope good will become, come your way. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The problem is with the flesh. The flesh, we, we want to respond. As, as we've been treated and people treated us bad, we, we want to, to heap it back in the same. We've received animosity or hatred and, and mil, uh, 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 maltreatment, and then we want to give it back to them. I mean, we just, um, I guess it's from the sense of justice. And we feel like we've got to give it back to them. Well, it's not our place. Vengeance is mine. I will pay. So the, Lord, the Lord will take care of these, these matters. And if we just turn it over to the Lord, and we be busy about praying for people and to forgive from the heart, doesn't mean that they're forgiven in God's sight. It's just that I'm not going to harbor the feelings about it. And I'm going to just trust in God that God will hopefully maybe turn them around. And as Paul, we began there in Titus chapter 3, you know, we, we've done some bad things in our life sometime or another. We've had bad feelings and we've did, said some things that weren't right and, and did things that weren't true and we've been forgiven. So, you know, we need to be willing to re be ready to forgive. And the best way is to say, you know, okay, I'm not going to hold these feelings. Yeah, they may not be doing right, and, you know, they're, they're, they're at odds with God, and so I'm just going to pray for them. That's what, that's what we do in dealing with our enemies, and do them good. Not pour fire upon fire. You don't fight fire with fire in these, these kind of situations. We fight fire uh, with good, by doing good things, by pouring out love and, and benevolence and, and good attitudes. 
And then, as I mentioned, let's look at that uh, last uh, point there. And that is, we, we can hate sin. The Bible talks about that, of hating sin and wrongdoing. Uh, over in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, it says, uh, talking about Jesus, it says, You loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness. Everything that's contrary to the will of God, Christ hates wrongdoing. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with oil, uh, the oil of godliness above your fellows. And then there in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 6, But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And Jesus says, which I also hate. I hate the deeds. Yeah, our problem is, yeah, we, we can hate sin. We can hate the deeds. It didn't say that, that the, the Ephesian brethren hated the Nicolaitans. That's not what it said. It didn't say that Jesus hated the Nicolaitans. No, it said hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The, the, the thing they did, the sin, the, the transgression. That's what that, that, that we despise, that we don't like. But our problem is that then we transfer it to the person and we have animosity toward the person and that gets us in trouble. So we can hate, hate wrongdoing, yeah, the Bible talks about that, but don't ever hate people. It is a cancerous emotion, hatred, a cancerous emotion. Well, we extend the invitation uh, kind of talk about something else, and that is forgiveness. We all need it. God has a plan of salvation. If we be guilty of hatred, we'd be guilty of, of killing somebody with words or kill, literally killing somebody. We actually took somebody's life. It's possible we can be forgiven. That's the great thing about God. Forgiveness is offered to us through the Son of God. I mean, the very people that crucified Jesus there on the day of Pentecost. Peter says, you through wicked hands have crucified and slain the Son of God. And yet forgiveness was offered to them also for their hatred. And they saw the wrongdoing and they saw the mercy in Christ Jesus. The plan of salvation is that we hear this gospel, this good news that Jesus is going to forgive, no matter what. We've got to believe in the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that he's the Savior. If we be willing to repent and turn, then we're going to have to turn from this, this uh, uh, bad, bad uh, things that we do, bad attitudes, bad disposition, bad actions, bad deeds. And that we be willing to confess our faith before man and then be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of sin, and being buried with him in baptism. As Paul said, uh, or Peter said there in Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. We come up out of that watery grave, cleave unto the Lord. And whatever it might be that we struggle with, that we just look to the Lord to help us overcome and to be the kind of people we'd have to be. And if we do, we come back to repentance and prayer. We're going to sing this song of encouragement. If there's one here, even this morning, that needs to step out and obey the gospel, we can help you in any way. You come and let us know while together as we stand.